We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, November 17th, 2015. I'm DJ Trainer, of course, joined by Nick Whalen. You can find Nick on Twitter at Waylon, W-H-A, the number one E-N, and you can find me at Trainer DJ. A lot easier to find me. Nick, 82 games. We do this. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so you watched the Russell Westbrook interview. Did I sound Sunday as good night. as he did, like as hard as he did? You didn't. Well, Russell's got a unique voice, and he, he was especially agitated, I think, during that interview. It was more like... You know, he, he sounded a little downtrodden, a little tired as he said it. Just kind of, just kind of meekly said it out there. Hey, two games, I do this, I do this, and I, I think I, I linked you that video earlier about you know. Or this is in reference, of course, to a, a reporter on Sunday night asking him about Marcus Smart um, having a, one of the better games of his career up against Westbrook, and Russ obviously wasn't very impressed. But uh, the Thunder. Not looking very good right now without Kevin Durant. Obviously, they'll get him back soon and you know, hopefully be able to turn things around. But uh, you know, not, the, not the start, I think, that they were hoping for and certainly not the, the start they were hoping for with Kevin Durant's health. They fall to 6-5 and five, uh, on Monday night against the Grizzlies, 122-114. to Westbrook went for 40, uh, four rebounds and 14 assists in that game. But this is kind of what we saw last year a lot, which was 
Westbrook putting up huge numbers, but numbers that are ultimately empty. Right. If you're playing on DraftKings, you're trying to fit him into the lineup, even though he's like 12000 bucks last night, which might be one of the highest tags we've ever seen since DraftKings has been invented. Um, and that makes perfect sense. He's just going to go out there and do amazing things. Before we geek out too much more about the Thunder, Matt, even touch on the Little B sandwich comments. Not. You don't even know about that. No, Research I, that I, I real know quick. About Lobby sandwich All right, let me let me uh, just get rid of some formalities here. Of course, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to la- uh, leave a nice review, uh, or else, as we have on our show notes here, uh, you can also listen or download it on the RotoWire site directly. In case you're curious about breaking news, uh, Kevin Durant, it, it seems like it's more of a week-to-week situation with him right now. If you want the latest news on him, head over to rotowire.com. Uh, it is a subscription-based website, but if you type in rotowire.com forward slash pod, you can get 10 free days of access to the website and check out everything we have on there. Uh, like you said, Nick, um, bad start for the Thunder, but even worse start for the relationship between Lil B and Russell Westbrook. I mean, who's next at this point? Lil B's just kind of calling out players at will, seemingly. And, you know, obviously the James Harden uh, situation last year kind of stole the show there. Kevin Durant has been a victim in the past. Now Russell Westbrook, apparently. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's something to this, I think. Uh, I mean, you look at the start that the Rockets are off to, James Harden in particular, Kevin Durant's injured. I mean, it's it's not a coincidence at this point. There's also a little Kardashian twist with the Rockets. Um, we're not going to get into we'll that. We'll get into that on our Rotowire Pop Culture podcast, which we're filming right after this. So look for that absolutely nowhere. Um, uh, just in case you didn't know, Lil B, blah blah blah. Russell Westbrook says he's never heard of Lil B. Lil B responds with, "Russell Westbrook looks like a sandwich," which is this is like a middle like run of the mill response for Lil B. Um, yeah. I I I have to say this, Nick. Lil B came to town a few years ago and i unfortunately paid money to see oh no why dj um you know i i was hanging with a questionable crowd at that time apparently and and, you know that you know anyways fans on my sneak fans on my feet but they look like sneakers really drew me in farther than it should have i might have to walk out of this room right now you know my stance on lil b i respect him as a as a sorcerer i guess someone who's who's able to place these curses on nba stars but i do not respect him as a rapper Let's talk about the box scores from Monday night. I'm going to put a moratorium on Lil B talk for the rest of this podcast. We'll get back into that next week, maybe work it into the pop culture pod. Uh, but I want to start with Mavericks, Sixers. We'll just kind of go down the line as, you know, in chronological, eh, chronological order of when these games started. This was the early game last night. Mavs 92, 76ers 86. This Mavs team is surprising. I think if you, you know, if we if we were able to compile a list of maybe the top three or four surprise teams through the first three weeks of the season, and that's that's where we are at this point, exactly three weeks in, I think the Mavericks sitting at seven and four would be a major surprise. Dirk Nowitzki has looked great, you know, as good as we've really seen him in this stage of his career, as far as you know, night to night production, twenty one points in this one for him. Chandler Parsons, twenty points in twenty one minutes, a guy who's still on a minutes restriction, still getting things done for this team, and from a fantasy perspective, Saza Pachulia. You know, he is what he is, and you know, I, I listened to an, another podcast last night, and they were they were breaking down the Dallas defense, and it was just praise for Pachulia this, praise for Pachulia that, and you know that's that's kind of what we saw in Milwaukee over the last couple of years, and I'm not really surprised to see that translate. Obviously, they miss Tyson Chandler in a lot of ways, and, and Zaza Pachulia certainly isn't Tyson Chandler, but being out to a to a seven and four start at this point, I think is about the best case scenario for this Mavs team. Here are my few thoughts on the Mavericks. One is Dirk Nowitzki can't keep this up for the entire season. They're going to have to find a way to rest him more. He can't play thirty one minutes. It's just going to be a little too tough for him. the The great thing about that particular situation is Dirk lasting eighty two games. Um, it's you know it's Dwight Powell. Where did this guy came from? He came from Boston. Seemed like he was just going to be a guy that kind of faded to the D League, came back up. He comes to the Mavs, and he's like the perfect replacement for Dirk, a guy who's really budding into his own. If you've been using him on DraftKings, he's reached that thirty-point benchmark, I believe, twice, which is pretty awesome for a guy who plays behind such an established power forward like Dirk. Last night, he had seven points, eight rebounds, two steals, but he seems like a guy that can fit into their lineup maybe in the future. My other thoughts are it's weird that they're off to such a hot start because we assume that they would probably finish 
stronger than they started, mostly because Chandler Parsons, like you said, Nick, minutes restriction. Wesley Matthews, minutes restriction. So if we're just looking at this team right now, we have to say that they're actually going to get better, right, when they get those guys on the court for longer periods of time. Right, and that was something, you know, we talk about Dirk not being able to sustain this type of production over an 82-game sample, and, you know, right or wrong at this point, you kind of think that's going to be inevitable, whether it hits maybe mid-season, late in the season. You know, he's not going to be able to keep this up, but that's probably going to coincide with Chandler Parsons getting off that minutes limit. Wesley Matthews continuing to gain strength in that Achilles and gain trust in that Achilles. And, you know, and guys like Dwight Powell, like you said, getting further experience. So, yeah, I think maybe that'll kind of work to offset Dirk's inevitable decline at some point this season. But, you know, the way this team is playing right now, I think they have to be thrilled to be where they're at. Pacers 95, Bulls 96, a great Midwestern showdown like we thought it would be. Um, Any lasting impressions here, Nick, other than um, copy and paste it, Derrick Rose rolling his ankle and, and sitting out for the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean, this happened late in the game. Rose still played 33 minutes. Had a nice game, actually. 23 points, 6 assists, 9 of 18 shooting, 2 of 2 from 3, which for him, that guy is shooting somewhere around, I think, the mid-teens right now from beyond the arc uh, is huge. Jimmy Butler, 17 points. He's been a little bit more quiet than I expected. You know, Jimmy Butler coming in with this new contract, kind of being handed the keys to this offense. Derrick Rose inevitably really taking a step back due to his limitations physically. But, you know, Butler hasn't put up the big, big numbers maybe that we were expecting. But this Bulls team, I, I still don't know. I, they're 7-3. and three, So I think they're probably right about where they should be record-wise. But they're giving up more points. Obviously, that wasn't the case tonight. But, you know, you look back and, and they give up 102 to Minnesota a couple weeks ago, 130 to Charlotte, uh, losing some games that they probably don't lose in the same fashion that they would lose them in the Thibodeau era. So I think the jury's still out on how effective they can be. They need to get Joakim Noah going, and especially they need to find a way that Derrick Rose can be this type of contributor every night rather than having him have drastic swings of good or bad. We're going to go over Nick's top five teams that he has so far and his bottom five teams. No love for the Bulls there on the top five. They were close. Even though they're number two in the East. We'll get to that later on. But, you you know, Jimmy Butler, like you said, maybe not the massive box scores. He's still pretty much regularly one of the highest priced shooting guards on a DraftKings slate uh, or any other format, what have you. But he did have that, basically, was it a winning block on Paul George to win the game last night? So quiet in some ways, uh, really poignant in other ways, for sure. Speaking Um, of Paul George, real quick, before we move on, pretty incredible stretch that he's put together uh, halfway through November now, as it's November 17th, 27 points, 9 rebounds, Four and a half assists, over one steal per game, is turning it over close to four times, but obviously he has a high usage rate, shooting 46% from the field and 48% from three on six and a half attempts per game over that eight-game span. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's probably putting together a pretty strong case for Eastern Conference Player of the Month, and you know, we've kind of been saying this since the preseason. You know, He's looked really good physically, but he is officially back to being 2013-14 Paul George. Yeah, we completely overlooked him, both you I and think I, a lot of people did. Uh, I think yeah, he, it's not just us. I think it was the nature of the injury. You know, when you see someone go down in that fashion and, you, you know, they have a metal rod inserted in their leg and it's just, I, I kind of had that assumption. I was like, how could you come back from this? I, I, I don't know if I'd ever play basketball again if that happened to me. I don't know if I'd ever move again. Um, and look at this. I mean, he's back as good or better than he really ever has been. And, you know, there was all that hullabaloo before the season. Uh, didn't, not to drop the H-bomb on the on the podcast here, but there was, uh, you know, all that hullabaloo before the season about him playing power forward and how that was going to affect him. hullabaloo was the H-word? I was waiting yeah, for yeah, something yeah, yeah. else. Okay, so. No, I know. Cover your ears, kids. But, um <laughs> You know, there's all that all that talk that this wasn't going to work. It was going to blow things up, and you know the Pacers haven't been great so far. But for the most part, you know they they started out zero and three, but since then they're six and two, and it hasn't seemed to affect Paul George as far as the numbers that he's putting up. Uh, so I think maybe that was a little bit overblown, but. At some point, with the as shallow as this team is in the backcourt and the frontcourt, really now with Miles Turner going down for the next six weeks. Something's gonna. I mean, they're they're so so shallow to the point where like, can you be playing Solomon Hill fifteen minutes? Can Lavoy Allen be averaging over twenty minutes? And can you be a good team with that? I just, credit goes to Frank Vogel, I guess, for making it work so far. But I have questions whether that's going to be sustainable. 
Right. And Monday, Miles Turner out with that left thumb. Was it a chip fracture or something of that? He just had surgery. Rodney Stuckey was out with a sprained right ankle. George Hill with an upper respiratory infection. When, you know, maybe you don't like those three options at all, but those guys were still seeing solid minutes whenever they do play. And so, like you said, Nick, it is going to be a constant struggle for them. I mean, Joe Young plays 12 minutes. Glenn Robinson, the third, plays 16 minutes. Is that sustainable? Maybe it is in the East. Right now, with a 6 and 5 record, they're slotted as the seven seed you think that they can probably hold on to that given the lack of talent at the bottom section of the eastern conference however i will say the bucks are currently out of the playoffs the hornets are out and the pistons are out a lot of people like the Knicks too so there's certainly room for the pacers to fall yeah there is uh you know i think they're these tiers are kind of starting to take shape that we probably predicted. You know, Cavs are kind of in a league of their own right now. They did lose to the Bucks on Saturday. That was a pretty surprising loss. I was on hand for that. That was you a were? fantastic oh, game. Very nice. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good game. I watched it on TV. Uh, you know, the Bulls are right behind them, and so are the Hawks. I think that's kind of what people expected. Miami looking good. They've played three fewer games than the Hawks. So, uh, you know, win percentage-wise, they're right there. Toronto sitting at number five. I think that's what most people expected. And then that next tier is Boston, Indiana, Detroit, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Washington. And again, that's pretty much what people expected. So, you know, it's going to continue to thin out and these, these tiers are going to become more solidified, I think, over the next month. And, and I'm interested to see which of those five teams, you know, Boston, Indiana, Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, and Washington, and you could throw Charlotte in there as well, which of those teams kind of fall to the fall to the bottom and which ones rise to the top i think we've already seen detroit fall off quite a bit they have some issues uh that we we can get into later uh and then a team like milwaukee that maybe underachieved for a little bit with some injuries i think maybe they'll rise so it'll certainly be very interesting to see how that shakes out Boston Celtics 111, Houston Lowly Rockets 95. What in the world is going on with the Houston Rockets? We know they've got that Kardashian thing. Uh, uh, Miss Kardashian is in kind of like this weird love triangle right now at the moment with James, including James Harden. But obviously that shouldn't affect his play on the basketball basketball court. He's a professional player. What's going on here with this Houston Rockets team, Nick? Where your leading scorer is James Harden, but it's only 16 points, or rather it was Trevor Reza with 19. It just can't happen there's just not enough offense and a lot of teams are getting out on the fast break against this team as well yeah their defensive effort has been terrible and let me just say objectively it, it, it always has been it's not or you know last year they had I mean, a pretty solid defense good. but they were there were in a lot of shootouts where they just had a lot more offensive firepower that's just not happening this year yeah that's the problem you know is you can you can allow all the points you want if you're going to outscore the other team. And that's you know a lot of what Houston was just kind of based on last year. And their defense wasn't bad. James Harden obviously improved quite a bit, and he, and he received uh, you know the, the attention I think that he deserved after being such a bad defender two years ago uh, and showing that improvement. And, and it showed. I mean, this was the two-seed in the West last year, a team that, that made a run and, and gave Golden State a run for its money in the Western Conference Finals. But the way they started out this season, three straight losses, and then they win four in a row, wins over OKC. You know, Sacramento didn't have Boogie Cousins. That wasn't exactly the most convincing win, but, you know, they were up close to 20 for a lot of that game. Sacramento won on a big run, you know, whatever, whatever uh, you want to take away from that. And then a win at the Clippers, which, you know, a Clippers team that looks like definitely a top three team in the West right now, maybe four. Uh, and then, again, they come crashing back down to earth, lost to Brooklyn, lost at Denver, lost a home to Dallas, lost home to Boston. These are teams that, you know, Houston would be blowing out of the water for most of last season. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is just James Harden not being able to get it going right now. I don't know. He seems to be forcing things, and, you know, maybe that's a simple analysis. You know, he's taking, you know, I think leading up to this Dallas game on Saturday, he had attempted at least 10 three-pointers in every game uh, to begin the year, which had never been done before, believe it or not. Uh, I think really the only guy who was close, I think, was Gilbert Arenas, who attempted 10 threes in seven straight games. Uh, that's Gilbert Arenas, who brought guns into a locker room. Did you tweet that out? I feel like I, did. I saw that somewhere. Right, I did, yeah. It? I thought okay. it was very interesting. And there's really no one, besides those two, no one else had ever attempted like 10 threes in five straight games, I think was the, the record other than those two. So a little interesting tidbit there. But yeah, this Rockets team is just settling for bad shots. They're forcing a lot of things. They're not as efficient as they were last year. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to not hitting shots. I mean, you look at they shot 42% in this game. Boston shot 47%. You know, they, they attempted 32 three-pointers. I think that's what you want if you're Houston. You want to get up over 30, and then they made 34% of them, but that's all well and good. Uh, but if you're turning the ball over 22 times and, you know, and you're getting out-rebounded by what's kind of undersized and under-physical Boston front court, uh, you got some problems. 
looking at the plus minus here, James Harden played 30 minutes, had a negative 27, which was by far the worst on his team. You look right across uh, the court there, Marcus Smart, who also played 30 minutes. Nick, we love to do this when it's a, a pretty fair comparison. Marcus Smart shot one for 11, but his plus or minus was plus 30. So obviously, Marcus Smart had something to do with, with Harden's inefficiencies there, five steals there for Smart. We know that he's not really an offensive firepower, and that's why he was, you know, why such, here comes the H word, such a hullabaloo was made of him going up against Westbrook and putting up 26, 28 points. But that's not something we can really expect from Smart on a nightly basis. We got to be looking at assists, rebounds, and steals, right? Right. I think you know, he's not going to shoot one of 11 on most nights, certainly, but this is kind of the Some closer. Nights, more frequently than not. Right. Well, say. that's the thing. I mean, he's, he's more often going to score 12 points with, you know, seven rebounds, four assists, and five steals than he is scoring 27 points. You know, so somewhere in the middle of these two performances, I think, is where you want Marcus Smart sitting. But yeah, I think these are, this is a very nice back to back. Uh, set of games for him. He he kind of outduels Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City, and then outduels James Harden uh, in Houston. Even if he did shoot one of eleven from the field, the plus minus kind of speaks for itself. You know, he was on the court, he was shadowing Harden, and Harden only attempted ten shots in this game. Only got to the line four times. That's by far a season low. So this Rockets team is reeling, and we'll we'll save our our in depth Rockets talk for the the list at the at the end of the podcast so a little hint hint they might be appearing on there and it's not the top five yeah i was gonna say don't expect them to be on the top we'll keep it moving here uh as my computer fails me here we go memphis grizzlies took out the oklahoma city thunder my oklahoma city thunder and did i think this must be a misprint because i think this was double what the grizzlies usually score 122 to 114 what happened? What's all? I mean, what's the hullabaloo here with all the instant <laughs> offense? God, we have we are so so past our hullabaloo quota for this podcast. Yeah, we're way over on the over under. I mean, like we said a little bit at the top, I think the Thunder team when they don't have Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook goes into hero mood, mood, I guess hero mood or hero mode. They both sure. they both kind of apply. And forty points, great. 14 assists, great. Three steals, great. Four rebounds, pretty good for a point guard. You know, that's well below what you expect from Russ, I guess, but that's not really wasn't the issue. 13 of 19 shooting, that's great. Five three-pointers, but then eight turnovers. And and that's kind of what it comes down to, you know, is t- if you're going to have if you're going to be playing that style of basketball, you have to be able to do it more efficient more efficiently, I should say than that. Uh that said, I don't think Russell Westbrook is the guy to blame. You know, when you shoot 13 of 19 from the field and and hit some big shots at the end of this one like he did. I did catch the the fourth quarter of this game in Memphis. uh, Mike Conley hit a couple big three-pointers at the end of this. J. Michael Green hit what was basically the dagger three uh, late in the fourth quarter in this one. And, you know, I think the credit mostly goes to Memphis. I mean, they put up 122 points. This is a team that that wins by beating you 85 to 80, not by beating you 122 to 114. And, you know, Kevin Durant certainly isn't the guy. You know, their defense doesn't fall apart when he's when he's not there. But you got to wonder what it does to their rotations. I guess that this that this they're just hemorrhaging points to a team, uh, you know, like Memphis that 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 scored th- only thirty eight points in the paint, which isn't that many. You know, you you, you tend to think, oh, maybe Anis Cantor had trouble with Marcus All and. That really wasn't the case. I mean, 17 points for Gasol, a decent game, but they didn't get pounded inside. Just a, just an odd, odd defensive effort, I guess, from this from this OKC team. All right, a few things here, and then we'll get to Mario Chalmers because yeah. <laughs> everyone wants to know out there for fantasy purposes. You know, pick him up or leave him be. Uh, first of all, is it J Michael or is it Jamichael? Do you know? I think it's J Michael, right? Isn't it spelled J Michael? It's spelled J Michael because you have a capital J, capital M with no space. Oh, I always thought it was J A Y M I. Oh, I must have no. misplaced that Y. It's, yeah, so it's J A capital M Y. I wanted to say they said J Michael on the broadcast, but I could be very wrong on that. Either way, uh, not Jeff Green, J Michael or Joe Michael yeah, Green. So that's that what big three. Yeah, when I heard the uh, the call of that, and they're like J Michael Green for the three. I was like. Oh wow, the announcer messed up there. That's uh, Jeff Green, sir, not J. Michael Green. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of greens uh, involved with this with this Memphis organization. Anyway, so um, J. Michael Green getting some minutes off the bench. He played 30 minutes. However, he shot that one shot and only had two other points. So he came in with five, two blocks. Not much to see there. I will say, 
Um, one of the things that uh, Charles Barkley talks about all the time on TNT, and you can say what you want about his analysis, but he is really poignant about a few things. And I think he, he really has pegged, um, as a Thunder fan, I can say this, he really has pegged Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant correctly in saying that they aren't quite at the, at the par of excellence that maybe LeBron James is in terms of making the players around them better. And so when you see that massive stat line from Westbrook, you say it's much ado about nothing. And look at last year, the last quarter of last year, where they he was putting up these massive performances and they weren't winning games. It's because he himself is amazing. He's fun to watch. He's the most exciting player in the NBA, arguably. But they're still losing games. And so if you're going up, if you have um, some backcourt options, like a Mike Conley who went out there and had maybe his best game of the season, 22 points and 9 assists, uh, a backcourt going up against Anthony Morrow, Russell Westbrook, I've been targeting people going up against the Thunder because Westbrook is so focused on the offensive end. Right, and you know, he is kind of an enigma defensively. He's, he has the tools to be a very good defender. He, the effort is always there, but he, he takes so many risks that right. it can end up kind of harming you uh, in the long run over, over a larger sample. And Mike Conley played well in this one, 22 points, 9 assists, a couple steals, 4 rebounds for him. Marc Gasol, like we said, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, so 15 combined assists from those two guys, which is which is obviously very excellent. Um, I guess maybe we should give some credit to the Grizzlies. Obviously, Oklahoma City is shorthanded uh, <laughs> without th- thanks for that look uh, without Kevin Durant. But you know, this is three straight wins for them. Now they they hit their rough patch early. That, that's for sure. I mean, they got blown out by Golden State by 50 back at the beginning of the month. They beat Sacramento and then four straight losses: Portland, Utah, L.A., and then Golden State again. Which you, know, you could argue that at least three of those losses are, are what you'd call quality losses in the West. And then a nice win over Portland. They kind of avenged that one on Friday. Uh, they beat the Timberwolves on Sunday, and then beat Oklahoma City on Monday. Now they're off until Friday. Well, this is a good stepping point into Mario Chalmers is they've won three games since Chalmers has played and come off the bench. And so two things I want you to talk about here, Nick. Is he the reason why they're winning these games, or are they just coming back around to what they've always been? And should fantasy owners go target him? He's scored 29, 16, and 11, so double-digit points in his last three games. He's usually a steal specialist. He has five steals over his last three games. Mario Chalmers certainly isn't the only reason that that they've played well, but I mean they made that trade for a reason. They you know they wanted to to kind of replace that depth at the point guard spot. Beno Udra was not a bad option, but not a guy. You know Mario Chalmers is a, a much better defender, a guy who's a two time. Uh, all Big 12 defensive player in college hasn't really received the accolades at the NBA level, of course, but uh, certainly a better defender than Udra. A guy who's a better spot-up shooter than Bano Udra. Uh, and the biggest thing for him, and these are just odd numbers, 25 free throw attempts over his last two games for Mario Chalmers. A guy who basically in Miami, you know, the way that that situation has worked out with Dwayne Wade being there, Chris Bosh, and of course his LeBron, entire career. Right, he's basically been a. Um, you know, bring the ball up, initiate the offense, get it to one of these guys, get out of the way and hit threes. And, you know, now he's in a situation where he's being unleashed a little bit more. And, you know, well, I guess we'll find out over a longer term whether unleashing Mario Chalmers on your bench is a good or a bad thing. But through these first three games, he's been a huge, huge boost to that bench unit that's been pretty sluggish. All right, Nick, we've got a lot to get to. I didn't, we didn't even bring up the listener contest on Friday, which me and you uh, finished second and third, and we've got a lot of trash to talk at the end of the show. I've got a rant coming up. You've got your top five list. So let's finish up with the last two games of last night. No surprises here. San Antonio Spurs take out the Trailblazers 93-80 to at home. No, no surprise. I mean, this is... A Spurs team that's still not quite firing on all cylinders. Um, you know they they really aren't ever firing on all cylinders. Not during the regular the season. No, I mean they'll they'll have their run at some point where they reel off twelve in a row and you know they beat a bunch of good teams. We've we've seen it happen so many times. But they're I mean they're a team that just kind of right now is doing what they need to do to win, and, and that's it. And that's that's not to imply that they're not putting in the effort or anything like that. But they. You know they know what they're about. They know what the ultimate goal is for this season. They don't need to go and score 120 points every night. Uh, you know, putting up 93 when you're holding the other team to 80 is perfectly fine. Marcus Aldridge got going early in this one. I think he had four quick points and then kind of cooled off pretty pretty quickly. Just six points, six rebounds for him. Two of eight shooting. As he, I think overall struggles to to get uh, you know, integrated into the system. But obviously the the overall results have been fine for them as as they're sitting at eight and two, second place in the West. Kawhi Leonard continues to just effortlessly pretty much dominate on both ends. He's 
he's very very rapidly like ascending up my list of favorite players to watch and I usually don't say that about defensive oriented guys but he's getting so good offensively and so efficient offensively that it really is a treat yeah I was listening to one of our podcasts Nick because we're always trying to make sure the tech side of things are, are doing well and also if I say too many words that I often do so anyways I was listening to our podcast and I, I happened to hear you say and I didn't catch it at the time that you said that Kawhi Leonard is one of the better players of our generation. Do you... Did I? Did I say you, that? No, you, that, I don't, I that was I, said by you. Better defensive players, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there was a little a little mix-up there. But I want after hearing what you're saying now, do you defend that? Do you want to hedge that a little bit? What do you think about yeah, well, your I, own statement? I, I, would, I would like there to be playback on this. I want to see the record before <laughs> I before I broach anything with that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think I would I would agree with that statement if it's in the context of he could end up being one of the better you know wing players of our generation or something like that. A little bit of like... He's not going to be one of the better overall players of our generation. One of the better players of our generations with cornrows throughout his entire career. Is he the only player in the league with cornrows? We are not in the 90s anymore, my friend. I think he is, and that's, that's extremely disturbing. Um, so you know, hopefully somebody steps up. I don't know if I'm trying to think of any like big college prospects that might have cornrows, but I guess we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not ready to declare him. I mean, he's 24 years old. I'm not ready to declare him just about anything at this point. But, you know, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a guy who is remembered as one of the better winners of our generation, a guy who is one of the better two-way players. He's, you know, he's never going to be a top 10 or 15 offensive player, but he's always going to be a top five defensive player probably for the next six or seven years. So, I mean, the amount of value that he brings to this team, especially with, you know, the aging of, of Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and the versatility that he brings – any coach in the league wants Kawhi Leonard, and that you know, there's a lot of players you could probably say that about. But above all, I mean, just a guy who's willing to do whatever it takes for this team, and just the, the perfect guy for the Spurs, I think. And it's you know, we've talked many times about that George Hill draft night trade that that enabled the Spurs to get Kawhi Leonard, and and how things could be different uh, if he was somewhere else. But I think watching him with the Spurs has been an absolute delight. Uh, other random notes from this game. Not a whole lot. I mean, like you said, it was kind of chalk what we expected. You know, the Spurs seem to dispatch teams like Portland who can get hot on certain nights but rely very heavily on one or two offensive options. The Spurs are great at shutting those type of teams down. Damian Lillard did have a nice game in this one, though. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists for him. Just 1 of 4 from beyond the arc. 15 points for McCollum. Chris Kamen started this game at center. He didn't really do a whole lot, just two points for him. But Alfaruk Aminu, 17 points and four rebounds in 36 minutes. So looking like somebody who might be worth grabbing in daily formats in the short term, especially uh, with Myers Leonard out. Moving forward, Phoenix Suns 120, Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe Bryant did not play last night, but when he is playing... Man, if he would have played, they probably would have won this game. Yeah, right. At what point do we just kind of all come together as a basketball community and stage an intervention and say, Kobe... I mean, we love you, bro, but just, like, come on, dude. Like, you're the only one who doesn't notice what's going on here. Get the, get the old intervention banner out from, from How uh, I Met how Your Mother. Your mother? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I we think— I'll write our notes. I think it might end up—are don't. Are you, are you a fan of It's Always Sunny? Not as much as How there's I Met an inter- Okay, well, there's an intervention on It's Always Sunny that goes very differently than the interventions <laughs> on, on How I Met Your Mother. I think that might maybe be—for for those of you who have seen that, that might be, might be the case if you tried to intervene with Kobe at this point. But, you know, it is— We'll talk about Kobe first, I guess. You know, he's missed this game, continues to have that tightness in his back. I think it's good that he's sitting out, that's for sure. You know, he's like the last guy who you would think, you know, I mean, he's always trying to play through injury, a guy who's always trying to gut, gut it out. And I think it shows a little bit that, you know, this back injury is probably something that if he really, really wanted to, he probably could gut it out and play through it. I think the fact that he realizes, you know, takes a step back and says this isn't the best thing long term, I think that's great. That's a step in the right direction. Has he I'm, ever done that ever? I don't know. Well, I mean, the last Has three Kobe years... Has Kobe Bryant ever taken a step back other than take a jumper, like, a contested like, jumper? Like, yeah, like a hot back jump shot. No, I mean, but la- I mean, the last three years, they were like clear-cut season-ending injuries, injuries you can't play through, you know, s- things that require surgery. Uh, this is a little different. I think, you know, was it against Detroit a couple games ago? I think he, he kind of took a step back, started rebounding really well, made some really nice passes, kind of took more of a playmaker Eight rebounds, role. nine assists, right. two steals in that. In How that many? What, was it, what were what were his shot attempts in that game? Nineteen. So it still was tied for a second most. See the thing with the thing with where I'm at with Kobe right now is we know that he can dish out the ball and do it effectively. And so it would be nice. Like I'm fine with him playing 36 minutes a game, but I also want him to transition into a role where he's more of a facilitator. 
commentator. Why not be Paul Pierce? Like, there's no shame yeah, in being exactly. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce has been awesome for the last, like, three years, and he hasn't been 2006 Paul Pierce, but he's been very, very good in his role. And, you know, Kobe has that uber-competitive gene that, you, you know, it's tough. It, it really is tough to accept a role where some nights you might only play 17 minutes off the bench. But, yeah, at, at some point he's got to realize, you know, this isn't, and it can still be his team. That's not even the thing, you know. It, yeah, in a lot of ways, I think those end of Pierce's time in you know in Boston, Rondo was the better player there. They had some young guys who were playing well, but it was still Pierce's team. Even in Brooklyn, in a lot of ways, that was his team. And and in Washington, it was certainly John Wall and Brad Beal's team. But he was the closer for them. He was the guy you got the ball to at the end of the clock. And I think Kobe can still be that guy. He just can't be that guy when he's playing thirty plus minutes and you know getting worn down on both ends and. You know, we've seen kind of how that results for him. He's, he's been really bad late in games this year, and a lot of it's probably due to fatigue. Right, and so during one of our preseason shows, I brought this up. Uh, Kobe was interviewed maybe five or six years ago, and they asked him, they said, would you be willing to elongate your career but be more of just like a, a spot-up jump shooter? And he said, no, I don't ever envision me, me playing like that. Of course, time changes things. And he could be a better vi- version of what Paul Pierce is now or he was even the last couple years as a facilitator. Like I could honestly see him go out there and get triple doubles but still reign way off of his shot attempts and and help out and just like I don't know it, it's kind of it's not like they don't have other options that's what's yeah. that's what's frustrating about this is that you don't have another dominant option by any means on this team but Julius Randle a guy who's more than willing to take as many shots as you're going to give him Jordan Clarkson he's the same way I mean double digit shot attempts in almost every game this season uh, even a guy like D'Angelo Russell who obviously you want to develop it it's not like you know I could see if, if it was if Kobe was like switched out with Joe Johnson and you're on a Nets team that is just you know role players galore like nobody really you don't really want anybody taking a ton of shots like chuck away Kobe I don't, I don't really care do whatever you want but this Lakers team has young guys that you can help develop and he's just like blatant excuse me, blatantly choosing not to. And Byron Scott's kind of enabling that in a lot of ways. For sure. Uh, and there's even ways that he could, you know, get creative and find ways to work in Roy Hibbert. Like, if you're really going to be one of the best players of all time, impress us in a new way that we've never seen in your game before. Like, uh, it, it's getting to the point where it's frustrating. At some point during the season, like, he's going to read a bunch of media reports realizing that he's the only guy left out in the dark about himself. I, I mean, if I don't know how he couldn't already be at that point. He has to know. I mean, guys, guys know. Guys know what the media is saying about them. Teams, I mean, teams aggregate articles, tweets, whatever it might be, and get them printed off and handed out to to people in the front office. Players can see those. I mean, it's that's not. I don't know if that's the issue. I don't think he's blinded by any of this. I think it's just Kobe being Kobe at this point, and and he's a tough guy to convince of things that he maybe doesn't necessarily agree with. And we've you know. I, We've seen that time and time again, whether, you know, in certain situations throughout his basketball career and and off the court as well. It's just he's a tough guy to work with. And I think we kind of all saw this coming, right? Yeah, we did. And you know what? If if that's not happening, and we know it is because that's how players get motivated. They read those articles. They're out there reading tweets, doing stuff like that. If he's not seeing that, which we know he probably is, he can just look at the Western Conference standings and see that his Los Angeles Lakers are second to last behind the Pelicans, a Pelicans team that's down there mostly because of lots of injuries. Right. And so you can really honestly say that the Lakers are the bona fide worst team in the Western Conference, if not the entire, well, not the Sixers. No, they're not worse than the they're Sixers. not worse than the Sixers. miraculously they're not worse than the Sixers and they did beat the Nets yeah exactly so um we'll see how that shakes out I know me and Nick will have continuous hot takes about that as the season goes along we're going to get into Nick's top five and bottom five. Can we, well, can we talk about the, the the Phoenix Suns real quickly yes I just want to touch ahead. I just yeah, want to give kudos well-deserved kudos to Brandon Knight 30 points 15 assists 10 rebounds uh on Monday night by far the best game of his career just two turnovers he has looked very, very good of late. Did have a little bit of a rocky start to the season shooting, but I mean, this is a guy, I, I don't know if you were able to catch any of this game. I watched a lot of the second half. He is just remarkably quick, unbelievably quick for you know, a guy who doesn't really get credit for that. I mean, very fast in the open court, a guy who makes quick moves, quick decisions with the ball. Um, you know, he, he did have an eight turnover game last weekend against OKC. I think I, I got a little bit dogged for that, mostly on Twitter, but, you know, just six turnovers in his last three games since uh compare that with a total of 19 assists over that span so uh, i mean this this phoenix backcourt has been playing out of its mind eric bledsoe off to the best start of his career by far we'll see if it's sustainable but at least phoenix is back to being fun to watch after what was kind of a a lackluster 2014-15 season coming off of that really encouraging year two years ago 
Right, that that year where they finished with a winning record that would have put them as a four or five seed in the Eastern Conference. Jeff Hornacek's first year, I believe, at the helm of Phoenix, and they didn't make the playoffs, and we thought there were big things to come. Uh, would you say that they have the fastest backcourt in the league with Bledsoe and Knight? I would, yeah. I mean, I think... Yeah, probably. I think that's probably true. I, I, those are I mean, those are both just like pure athlete type of guys, you know, almost more than basketball players, especially Bledsoe. I mean, he's a guy you probably could have played cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, the way so that's he's a built. great comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're certainly up there because I mean they're basically starting two point guards, and that has something to do with it. But it's working so far. I mean, this is a, a pretty shallow team. A lot of young players, a lot of interesting young players. T.J. Warren was awesome in this game. I was really really impressed with him. Nineteen points off the bench, taking things into his own hands. Really, just every time he got the ball, he was making something happen. Very very impressed with how he ran that second unit so certainly some building blocks in phoenix and tyson chandler has helped them tremendously on d all right last question about the suns i want to ask you nick of course they're six and four which puts them at the number four seed in the west things of course will obviously sort themselves out but Bledsoe saw 28 minutes last night where Knight saw 41. Um, but more importantly, we've seen a couple of times where both Bledsoe and Knight are on the bench and you have Archie Goodwin running the offense. So what's the point of having basically two bona fide point guards if you're going to have them both on the bench at the same time? Like, I don't really understand that rationale, although I do love Hornacek. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NBA. Yeah, that, that is an interesting point. Um you know, the, I mean, they start them both together, so that's part of the issue. You know, as they're automatically on the court for those first whatever five, six minutes, barring a barring foul issue, something like that, uh, and it makes it a little bit harder, I think, to stagger it. That said, I mean, it shouldn't be that much of a coaching feat, I guess. You know, to not have to play Ronnie Price at, to at do all a costs. A couple of mathematics right. equations, right? Because they don't really have another true point guard. I think Archie Goodwin profiles a little bit more as a as a shooting guard than he does a true point guard. He can play the point guard, and they, you know, they've asked him to do that a little bit this year. And, and even T.J. Warren, I think, can handle it probably just as well as Archie Goodwin. Um, but yeah, that's something they're going to need to iron out. And if this team, you know, if it gets to mid-January, mid-February, and they're still hovering above 500, maybe in that six, seven, eight range, I think point guards are a situation that they're going to have to address, and maybe they try to add a veteran. All right, so getting to Nick's top five and bottom five, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, we've been talking about DraftKings, and of course, you can be a part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy basketball partner of Rotowire. With daily fantasy, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster, of course. You can play whenever you want and pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove you're the superior GM or square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free. DraftKings, official partner of ROTOWIRE. That's promo code ROTOHOOPS at DraftKings.com. Nick, recently, this past Friday, we had a listener competition. You were involved, myself, James, Ken Kreitz, Shannon McEwen. Um, and, I, you know, I got to say that uh, we did pretty well, didn't we, we here did. on the Tuesday pod? We did all right. Yeah, I, I took second in that competition. You took third. Uh, the venerable... Uh, Shannon McEwen brought up the rear. I think he was what, 29th out of 29 or 39th. And how nice of him to there. see that we were in the head and that he would take care of everyone from behind right. and just make sure that everyone was safe. Just kind of bookending yeah, it yeah, for yeah. us. Right, exactly. So that was really nice. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, definitely play on DraftKings. We'll hopefully get more of those listener leagues going. I know there's there's an issue right now with with uh, you know being able to link directly to the contest that made it a little bit difficult for some people to sign up. So there won't be a listener league this Friday, uh, but I think we're hoping in, in subsequent weeks that we'll be able to get that back going again because it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, and of course, me and Nick love taking everyone's money out there, and we right. hope to do it in will, the future. Yes, I definitely did not lose last night on DraftKings. Definitely did not. Went winning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get to it, Nick. We've got your top five. Let's break them down one by one if you feel the need to bring in and spoil the spoil the. Do you want to go five to one? Or we we got to stop. Let's count up. Let's count up. Let's go, go from five up to one. All right, so this is surprising to me, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but you've got the Heat number five here on your top five list you know when I when I sat down to put these together this morning I kind of expected you know having not glanced at the standings in a day or two I was like ah you know it'll be Cavs for sure are one of the top five and then you know might be four Western Conference teams but you know the more you look at it the West really hasn't I think Mark Cuban even came out and said this a couple days ago after the Mavs uh fell to somebody in the East he basically was like yeah the East is much better right now it's better than the West which whether that's true or not remains to be seen I don't think it is record wise you can make the argument right I think teams like Memphis and Houston will get it together at some point uh New Orleans as well uh but yeah the Heat 
third in net rating. They're playing at the third slowest pace right now. They're still grinding it out in that in that Eric Spolstra system, but it's working for them. Goran Dragic really hasn't been healthy. He kind of admitted that he wasn't in great shape coming in. You know, a guy who had injuries in the offseason, uh, had, had some issues with his family as well. Did you read that story? Like his, he was just able to move his wife and, and young child over from Slovenia. I think wow. there were some visa issues. Like he hadn't seen his child since the day it was born. So, I, I mean, not, not that that really has any, has any effect on his play, but still an interesting situation. I was about to make a joke that his brother left Miami, but now it's no. it was, it was going to be very, <laughs> very poor taste on my part without yeah. knowing that story. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I've been impressed with this team. They're, like I said, they've played – they have the same winning percentage as the Hawks. You know, the Hawks are technically ahead of them in the schedule by virtue of you know, sheer number of wins. But I think that's something that, you know, once they, once they even up uh, as far as games played, we'll get a, maybe a little bit of a better sample. But we are still just three weeks in, and it's important to remember that. So let me just say here, if, if you have the Heat at five, and I already said the Bulls aren't on your top five, that means you have four Western Conference teams. So no love for the Bulls here on the top five. So you're saying right now, even though the Heat are six and three, Bulls are seven and three, you're going to skip Hawks, Bulls, and you feel confident. So a lot of people do rankings differently. Some people do it. This is the, the top five teams right now. And some people say this is how it will be at the end of the season. What angle are you taking here? Uh, just right now. Okay. Just right now. Definitely okay. not end of the season by any means. This is just three weeks into the NBA season. This is where this is where I see him. And you know, talking about Chicago, I think they've they've looked better defensively. I think maybe than people have thought. I mean, they're holding. They have the best opponent's field goal percentage in the league. That that certainly means something. But they've slipped up badly a couple times we talked about that Hornets game allowing 130 points that's that's not something that a very good team lets happen you know they still have a lot of issues to figure out and how that front court's going to work out Joe Kim Noah doesn't really seem to know whether he wants to come off the bench wants to be a starter there's something going on with Pau Gasol I, I think it's so obvious that you need to play more with Noah and Miritich together and you know, I think a lot of that it would be to their benefit to move Gasol to the bench I don't know if he was promised something as far as playing time or, or whether he would always be a starter with Chicago. Apparently that's translated over to, to the Hoiberg era. Uh, but this, I don't know, this team just has too many question marks. I think Chicago certainly has the potential to be better than Miami by the end of the year, and the Bulls are probably a team that I wouldn't want to run into in the Eastern Conference, maybe, maybe above anyone other than Miami when it's all, or excuse me, Cleveland, uh, when it's all said and done. But there's just too many question marks right now. Derrick Rose is injured again. He's been inconsistent, like we talked about. Miritich, after that red-hot start, has been inconsistent. Joakim Noah shooting just terribly from the field this year, a guy who doesn't give you anything offensively anymore. And you know, the point guard situation, I guess, more than anything is what concerns me right now because with Derrick Rose hurt, you're down to Kirk Heinrich, Etwan Moore, Aaron Brooks. That's not a rotation that's going to get you very far. Number four, of course, like I said, we're going to move on to the Western Conference. You have the... Los Angeles Clippers, the whiningest team in the NBA. You know what? Sometimes they seem it's to hard. have ramped that up somehow. No, this year. it is so hard for me to watch even a game with them because they can't make it fifty seconds without complaining. Doc Rivers spearheads that. His son is terrible about it. Uh, I don't need to tell you about the rest of the team. I mean, like it is hard to watch a game. Now, one thing I will say for is how hard it is just to watch them interact with just people in general. That could really bode well for them in the playoffs, having that mentality like everyone hates us, everyone's against us. Um, so, so maybe that'll help them in the long run. But as for now, man, it is hard to watch them. Yeah, it is, and it's tough because like I really like Blake Griffin a lot, and I like Chris Paul's individual too. He's players. But it's like they're boy. like they're like working against themselves. Like, please stop acting like this. And <laughs> as somebody who's a big fan of LeBron as well, and you know, I followed him quite a bit in those Miami days. Like him and Wade were so bad with that as well. And it's just like it's indefensible at some point where you just got to be like, come on, man, like just let it go. I mean, and in the NBA in general, it's a problem. It's not just the Clippers, but they do seem to take it to the next level. Oh yeah, real quick before you dive into why they're your number four team, yeah, Griffin was giving. Dwight Powell, that uh, second-year guy that we just talked about at the beginning of the pod in Dallas, he was like shoving around the court. I really don't even know why um, Powell didn't look like he was being an instigator or, an agri- or you know anything at all. Um, but yeah, man, my Oklahoma bro is, is letting me down in the personality department. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going back to why I do like the Clippers, I mean, they're sitting right now kind of in the in the middle of that upper tier in the Western Conference. They're at fifth right now, six and four, tied with Phoenix, one, you know, a half game behind Dallas. Those are two teams that will eventually fall back. And, you know, I think the Clippers are 
uh, probably right now with, with the Kevin Durant situation in OKC, I think they're the clear number three team in the Western Conference behind Golden State and, and San Antonio, and, and that's obviously reflected in the standings. And this is a team that's top five in scoring right now, third in offensive rating, um, you know, first in field goals attempted, or excuse me, not field goals, free throws attempted at more than 30 a game, which is huge, 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 huge. And, and you know, obviously some of that is DeAndre Jordan being fouled intentionally, and then that obviously maybe isn't a good thing for Los Angeles but at the same time they're being aggressive they have a lot of guys who can get to the hoop they're deeper than they've ever been they still don't really know there's a couple concerns that I have with them one of them is they still don't really know how to use this depth Paul Pierce has been a complete non-factor so far Austin Rivers playing maybe a little bit more than he should and in some certain situations that you might uh, rather have a guy like Lance Stevenson or Jamal Crawford in and, and even Crawford hasn't been very good he did have a nice game over the weekend but a guy who on the whole has just been so hit or miss that you really can't trust him as much as you used to uh another concern is JJ Redick just got a very large tattoo on this his left a, shoulder this is most concerning yeah, I mean, this just came on Twitter today. He showed up to practice. I think it was Dan uh, Wojcicki from one of the one of the newspapers, the LA Daily News, maybe. I think he's Orange County Register. OC Register, that's yeah. right. Uh, posted a photo, and, and others did on Twitter as well. And yeah, Reddick's got a massive tat. We're talking. This is like Birdman caliber, almost a, almost a Darren Williams type of look on that left bicep. So, I, w- I was just imagining, like, imagine if Reddick Reddick showed up to Duke with that. Yeah, we kind of like kind of pegged him as like I don't know all American guy coming right. out of Duke, just like a born obviously shooter. there are the connotations, you know, being the you know the white shooting just guard say, guy yeah. from Duke. Like we, I mean, that's just he, you know, it's your Kyle Singler's, it's your right. John Shires, your Paulus. You know, the list goes on. They got a, they have a couple of them this year now: Grayson Allen and and what's his name, Luke Kennard, the freshman. Yeah, um, and he was yeah, I mean, just kind of another JJ Redick. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I don't. I certainly don't know J.J. Redick at all off the court or you know whatever he's about, but I was, I was just surprised. He didn't strike me as someone who would get a massive tattoo on his arm. Uh, but re- returning to seriousness, rebounding is an issue for this team. I don't want to return to seriousness quite yet. Do you want to briefly I, I want to expound? briefly expound on this, even though we're up against it here pretty soon. Um, I, good thing it's not a shooting hand, right, because it's his left arm, so he can still shoot with his right. There's not going to be lingering pain. Who was it? Was it Nick Young that said no tats on my right hand because that hand is what? No tats on the right arms, just for buckets. Yeah, that's right. That's the best. So maybe Redick is taking that approach, just sticking to the left. Back to seriousness. Is this a false sense of a bench in Los Angeles? Because it's really easy to say, wow, we have a lot of proven or somewhat proven starters in the past. But are we kind of looking at the names and just assuming that they have a bench right now? Yeah, I mean, maybe in some ways. I think it's too small of a sample size at this point to really make a judgment. But this bench was so thin and so bad last year that I just can't get any worse. I'm not really worried about that necessarily. I mean, Doc Rivers is a good coach, um, and I think he'll figure this out, that the talent is certainly there. It's just a guy like Lance Stevenson and Josh Smith, like two guys who are like, what are they known for in the NBA? not fitting in because they're unique positionless type of players. And, and what I mean by positionless is not that they can play every position. It's like, can they play any position effectively? And they had, they add both of these guys. And, you know, we, I mean, we saw Charlotte gave up on him in a year. Like we, we just couldn't figure out how to use them basically is what they said. And, you know, same went for Josh Smith towards the end of his days in Atlanta. Obviously uh, his short tenure in Detroit was the same way as well. So these are guys that aren't just going to transition seamlessly. And it's only been 10 games. And I think with the, the strength of the, the the top of this lineup with Griffin, Jordan, and Paul, and even Reddick, you know, a guy who's who's played with them as, as long as they've been together, I think I think they'll get it figured out. And you know, six and four right now, considering Chris Paul's been banged up, DeAndre Jordan hasn't really been himself, and Blake Griffin's really what's kind of willed them to this six and four record. Um, yeah, I think I think they're fine as is, and I think that bench will come along. But what I was going to say that that concerns me is the rebounding right now. They are the fifth worst team uh, as far as rebounding rate in the league. That shouldn't happen. I mean, Blake Griffin is, I guess you could argue, like maybe slightly undersized for his position. Um, but DeAndre Jordan is, is a volume rebounder in every sense of the word. Griffin does rebound well. Chris Paul's always rebounded well for his position. I'll, I'd have to take a look at this maybe a little bit more and see if maybe their bench is giving up a ton of rebounds. But you look at the other teams that are in their category for rebounding the Bucks, by far the worst defensive rebounding percentage of any team in the league. Um, we covered that, I think, in the last podcast. They're down at 67%, which is god-awful. Uh, the Rockets, the Hawks, the Lakers, uh, the Clippers, and then the 76ers are a better rebounding team even than the Los Angeles Clippers right now. So I think that's the biggest concern to me. But again, only over a 10-game sample, I think they'll get that figured out at some point. Nick, I misspoke, of course, with your top five. You had three Western Conference teams mm-hmm. and one Eastern Conference team. Coming in at number three, we have the Cavaliers. 
We do. We do have the Cavaliers, and they probably would have been at number two, but that loss to Milwaukee on Saturday knocks them down a peg. And let me just say, I was there. That was a great game. I I didn't necessarily feel less about the Cavaliers after. Like, we knew this Bucks team is going to have a lot of growing potential and that they would snipe some wins like this. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious why you think that the Cavaliers, for just for that particular loss, are below the Spurs. Well, this is a Bucks team that's lost to the Knicks. This is a Bucks team that struggled okay, with the so Nets. Compared to I mean, they're just they're not they're, they're coming off of losses to, to Boston and Denver. I, mean, I just don't think the Bucks are that good right now. And it's fair. Yeah, and then to be fair, they finally had a full squad. And maybe this is maybe a little bit more of what this Bucks team will actually look like when they are able to start Giannis, Parker, Monroe, Carter Williams, and, and Middleton. And that was before Jabari got hurt. Right, so exactly. Jabari also was in the game. Right. And you know there were rumblings even today, this is kind of a tangent, that Parker could return at some point. If he, if he feels better, he could be back midway through this three-game road trip. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think this this Bucks team can be very, very good when they have their starting five. And then you look at guys like Bayless, three three-pointers off the bench, Vasquez hit two. I mean, they only shot 42% from the field. They only they only made six three-pointers, but they defend well when they have their entire unit there. Rebounding for them, like we just said, is the major issue. But, I mean, getting back to the Cavaliers, I, I don't think this is necessarily the worst loss for them. I mean, the Bucks are probably better than, than a 500 team right now. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they, they did lose, and I think that knocked them a, a peg below the Spurs and certainly the Warriors for me at this point. And if we're just basing this on this team right now, there's no Kyrie Irving, no Iman Schumbert, J.R. Smith still not being himself at all. Uh, so I just, I just think they're the third best pretty clearly. Iman Schumpert was at the game. He was uh, doing pregame warm-ups uh, alone with a couple of trainers. He looked really good. I don't think it'll be long before he's back. Um, he looked uh, really well. One thing that was concerning for me, and I know we're, we're fastly running out of time here, Nick, so I'll be quick, is – there were lots of portions during the game where LeBron James was off the court, Kevin Love was off the court, Mo Williams was off the court, and you were running a lineup like Della Vadova, Richard Jefferson, um, was it James Jones, Tristan Thompson, and I'm, I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, maybe, and it was Cunningham. And it's like, who in the world is going to score? Or oh, J.R. Smith. And so for basically three straight plays, you had J.R. Smith run an ISO, shoot a followaway jumper at the elbow, and that is not sustainable. They got bailed out because Jefferson made three straight shots in a row. But, I mean, you cannot have J.R. Smith and Richard Jefferson initiating your offense. Obviously, things will get ironed out, especially when post- playoffs come and LeBron is most likely paying 46 minutes a game or something like that. But that is certainly concerning for me when J.R. Smith and Richard Jefferson are your go-to options for a span of five to six minutes. Yeah, and that's and that kind of plays into what I was just talking about. You know, without Kyrie, without Shumpert, that, that's kind of what they have to deal with. They really don't have much of a choice. And, you know, we saw they, they struggled to score, especially this was a game that went into two overtimes. They struggled in that second overtime period. LeBron hit a three right away to put them up. Uh, the Bucks, you know, they just weren't able to stop them, really. I mean, Milwaukee was up 108-102 with a minute left in this one. JR hit uh, a long three in, in the final 30 seconds that made it a little bit closer. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that does struggle to score. For as good as they are, they, they're still kind of winning in that Miami-LeBron way where they, they grind it out a little bit more. Uh, you, you know, you look at where they rank as far as a few categories in the league. They're the fourth slowest team in terms of pace. And it's, it's odd that this always seems to happen with LeBron because we talk about how awesome he is in the open court, how he's great at creating turnovers. But his teams have tended to play pretty slowly, it seems like, ever since he left Cleveland uh, you know, the first time. But still, they're, they're playing efficiently, efficiently enough Excuse me, that it doesn't matter. Fourth in offensive rating, fourth in rebounding percentage, which is huge. LeBron's teams have tended not to rebound that well, uh, especially as Miami teams. They were routinely bottom three, bottom four. But you know, having big guys like Tristan Thompson and, and Vera Zhao and Mozgov obviously remedies that. Their two losses are to the Bulls and the Bucks. I think there's not a bad loss among those two. And what did they win? Eight in a row between them. So I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I think they're a team that once they really get rolling, once they get Kyrie back, this is a team that could roll off 14, 15, 16 wins in a row come January, February. That's, that can definitely happen. Uh no surprise at the top. We have the Warriors here. Number two, we have the Spurs. I think I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. The Cavaliers and Spurs, maybe I would switch them around. Not quite certain there. Uh, lasting thoughts or anything you want to touch on with the Spurs or Warriors, or would you rather dive, dive into your bottom five? Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about we talked about the Spurs for, for the most part when we discussed the box score. Second in net rating, that's no surprise. Uh, the bench is really dominating. That first group, very surprisingly, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, 
uh, Danny Green, Tim Duncan, and LaMarcus Aldridge have a negative 10 net rating on the season. But that bench, you know, there were, there were concerns losing a couple guys, losing a guy like Corey Joseph, losing Tiago Splitter, uh, that that would be an issue. But that certainly has not been the case. So, you know, in a lot of ways, the bench has kept this team in games. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't think this starting five is anything that they're going to be toying with or worrying about. Uh, but, but one thing I did want to note with them, they're last in the league in free throw attempts per game. And it is worth noting, I think they were like eighth last last year. So it's not like they were, you know, they're completely opposite of where they were last year. But that's a little bit of a concern. Those are easy points. And I think uh, the addition of LaMarcus Aldridge should help that at some point. But he's relying so much on his jump shot right now that that really hasn't been the case. Yeah, that's true. Anything about the Warriors or should we focus on the lesser teams? I think it goes without saying. Best offensive rating, yep. top three in defensive rating. Uh, their net rating of 16.5 is six and a half points higher than anyone else. Obviously, that's the Spurs. Best assist to turnover ratio, best true shooting percentage. I mean, you can go through and sort basically whatever you want at NBA.com slash stats and they'll be in the top five. So yeah, I mean, the Warriors, there's no debate whatsoever. Number five on your bottom five, you alluded to this, the Houston Rockets. Of course, Dwight Howard has been in and out of the lineup. We talked about James Harden hasn't been reliable or consistent. Defense has been more of an issue than it was last year for the Rockets. But did they really warrant being on your fifth worst team in the NBA? Yeah, maybe this was more of a, I don't know. I don't, not, I not, not really, not really a knee-jerk reaction, but they're, I mean, we We'll have to go through these pretty quickly. I know we're short on time. But, um, I mean, this is a, a team that, like we said, they're not making shots right now. Their two best players are struggling. Dwight's been missing parts of back-to-backs. You know, and he says he feels fine, but still that's a concern to me uh, that, that he's not playing in both of those. The biggest thing with me is Harden. I mean, this they're, the Rockets don't look like the Rockets of old, and part of the reason is James Harden's not hitting the tough shots that he normally hits. Coming into the weekend, he was attempting over 10 three-pointers per game from above the break alone. And he's never been a guy who makes a living from the corners by any means. But, I mean, when, when he has games where he's going 1 for 10, 2 for 10, 3 for 12, you just can't get it done. You're wasting those possessions. Those create long rebounds. They get out in transition. Um, I don't know. This Rockets team, as good as we know they can be, they, they really haven't done anything to justify being out of the bottom five right now. Um, number four, I have the Pelicans. Worst defensive rating. Part of that's come from two big losses to the to the Warriors, and especially that that opening night loss really put them in a hole. But we know their injury situation. They're one and nine, though. I mean, they're, they're a one win team. They have to be in the bottom five. Yeah, no, you're totally right there. You have to think. I mean, their playoff chances can't be there anymore. You can't win. You can't go one and nine in any stretch of ten games and factor in to the eighth seed in the West. It's possible because you're giving me a sigh, obviously, but I, I just don't think it's it's no. That happen. wasn't that wasn't me disagreeing necessarily. I'm just kind of pondering it. They they talked about this on the the dunked on pod last night, and they I think if the the conclusion that, that Nate and Danny LaRue came to is that if they win at the exact same rate that they did last year, that puts them right around 500 for the year. And is that going to get it done in the West? Maybe be fighting it, against the Utah Jazz, the Grizzlies, maybe right. the Nuggets, maybe the Timberwolves. Right. And, what, like what, what, and even what that means is like, can they even play? Can they win like six out of 10 games the rest of the way? You know, is Davis like Davis hasn't even gone down yet, really? I mean, he's been banged up a little bit, just kind of you know, the typical injuries we've seen from him. But if he misses 10 games at some point, they're dead and like they have basically what's happened is they have no room for error anymore and that's not something you want to say when you're only an eighth of the way through the year and history would tell you that Davis is not going to make it through 82 games and so certainly they are on the outside looking in that's fair to say Lakers Nets 76ers is how you finish it up here so teams that you're leaving out uh the Kings the Trailblazers the Orlando Magic do you feel all right about that oh yeah yeah I think the Kings have been a five, I mean, they've been a, above 500 team when DeMarcus Cousins plays. And, and, you know, if you extrapolate that over 82 games, I don't think they're a 41 win team. But I, I also don't think that they're necessarily, you know, a bottom five team right now. I think that's that's not really fair. They, I mean, they, I think they what, went 0 4 without Cousins. Yeah, he was out for four games, and I think they did go 0 yeah. 4 because Rudy Gay just was not able to step up. Right. Well, he, I think he was, he had like an illness or something. There was something going on with him, too. He was in the hospital at one point, actually. But, yeah, I, I don't think I mean, the Kings aren't a good team by any means, but they're also not a bottom five team, especially when Cousins is healthy. So the Nets coming in at second worst in the league, do you think that's going to change? Or are they just pretty much cemented there? They're one and nine right now. They're fighting the 76ers for the lowest spot in the Eastern Conference. They're one and nine, but they they're like maybe the best like one and nine team. They almost beat the Warriors. Right. I mean, well, there's that. They have, they don't. There's like a what I'm trying to say is there's a very clear gap between them and the Sixers still. You know, even though there's only 
well, one win gap. I think they're very clearly ahead of where Philadelphia is. They look like an NBA team. Philadelphia really doesn't. Um, you know, Brooklyn's not a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot by any means. They just they just can't score the ball. I mean, it's like 94 points per game. That's uh, second worst in the East behind the 76ers. They're giving up a ton of points, over 103 a game, second worst uh, differential in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, they they certainly are justified to be at number two here. I don't think there's much of a question there. But at the end of the day, I think maybe they, they can go on a run at some point and, and not end up in you know second worst in the East. There we go. I think the Lakers and Nets will kind of toggle back and forth throughout the season, especially depending on Kobe Bryant. Otherwise, Nick, that's going to do it for us. Uh, good show today. Uh, we didn't have time for my rant, but I tell you what, I'll get into that. Can we, can we just get like a brief sample of what it was going to be? You cannot call that kid from LSU. You cannot compare him to Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Tracy McGrady. Are you calling out Bill it- Simmons? I'm calling out everybody right now, okay? Like, not only does it diminish Magic Johnson and LeBron James for what they've been able to do throughout their career, but you put that kid in a box in terms of if he doesn't match up to that, he's a failure. And I tell you what, he plays at LSU. The competition is not as good. I could go on and on and on about this. It's the SEC. You would never say that about Kentucky. I can – I just like – it's best that we probably didn't get to it, and I know I started into it, but these comparisons are irresponsible, people. They're irresponsible. I hate them. Let's be realistic about it, especially since the kid is still in diapers. I mean, he's had two he's college played, games. He's played some big opponents, Kennesaw State, McNeese State. You don't mess around with those teams. But, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's way too early for those comparisons. I thought the, I thought the same thing. I mean, the numbers have been great, 17, 11, 6 assists, 2 blocks, 2 steals. Yeah, but he's playing for, on LSU. Who else is – that team is not a good basketball yeah, I, they're they're actually good. They they got they got another top like twenty recruit. They're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. But I've just had enough of it with these comparisons. It really it honestly irks me because yeah. Can oh, we there not just, just hasn't be, been a guy like him since Durant. Honestly, as far as the type of skill that he brings, dare, don't you dare get it in the college game. There hasn't. I mean, who who plays like him? Who has played like him since Durant? There hasn't been anybody. Michael right. Beasley. All right, the the season is going to play out, and if I see any more of these comparisons, I'm going to bring them up. Because it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening, unfortunately. So I need to find a new way to get happy and get past it, block some people on Twitter, whatever I got to do. I just think it's unfair to the players they're comparing them to and the kid at LSU, Simmons himself. So that's all I got to say. It turns out we did have time for that rant. That's going to do it for me and Nick. Thanks so much for joining us. On tomorrow's podcast, it'll be me and Josh Hayes, and I'll try to cheer up a little bit. Thanks for joining us. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com